I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello. Welcome to Jewel Says. I'm Julie Jewels. Happy Mother's Day if you're in the UK and celebrating March 27th. We all have mothers in our lives, adoptive mothers, biological mothers, mothers of others, people we love who are mums. So happy Mother's Day, or as some people call it, happy Mothering Sunday. What a nice way to wrap up International Women's Month. You may have heard me blah, blah, blah about lack of critical care staff, beds, equipment in Ontario hospitals, and my contention that a lot of this is caused by decades of financial cutbacks. But I was at the dentist this week, and this dentist has an MBA in healthcare administration. He did this before he decided to become a dentist. And apparently he worked in both public and private sector health care organizations. He believes the greater issue in public health care is not so much cutbacks, but gross inefficiency and waste. One example he shared from an ER nurse, a friend of his, when COVID numbers were getting really bad, instead of giving the nursing staff more shifts or hiring more nurses, at her hospital anyway, the administrators contracted nurses through some third party at a significantly greater cost. But since these nurses didn't have hospital privileges, the staff nurses still had to do all the documentation for them. So it caused a huge amount of extra work that they weren't even paid for. I'm sure the rationale was that if we contract it, the long-term cost will be lower because we can be done with them when the requirements ease. But come on, we already know that nursing staff and equipment have been incredibly stretched every single flu season pre-COVID, so come on. Given that we don't want people to lose their homes or life savings because they got cancer, i.e. we do want universal health coverage, what can be done to improve the efficiency? Come on, people in charge. Listen to the people working in the trenches for a change. 
and stop fucking around with our taxpayer dollars. If you happened to listen to last week's episode, School Rules, you might recall that I started off talking about the value of trades and Grandfather Abe's and my renovation experience. And I did say that when we moved in, we didn't have indoor running water hooked up to anything. Abe has corrected me on that point. He did, in fact, install the bathtub and connect it after the first day or something. He remembers this, whereas I don't, because he had cold baths until he installed the water heater, so I stand corrected on that. Oh, and if you happen to know someone who is unemployed in Ontario, the government just launched a program to fully pay for training and an apprenticeship to become an electrician. I've included the link on my Facebook page, Jules Says, if you can find it. The other thing we heard last week from Abe's mom, Sarah, was about how important education is to her. And though we didn't hear her telling the whole story, one important aspect that came up was reproductive education. Canada is a country with a lot of immigrants who don't speak English necessarily, and they're sometimes or very often removed from the women in their families. So I suspect Sarah's experience of not knowing what to expect when it was time to give birth is more common than we might think, even today. After three days of labor, Sarah ended up having her pelvic bone fractured to make room for her 10-pound baby to be born. This was, I think, 52 years ago, so it's not ancient, ancient history. I can only imagine how terrifying that would be, especially in a foreign country where you don't speak the language and you don't have your mom or your sisters or anyone to help you when you get home. <sighs> what some moms go through. But even without the language barrier, my mother, Dorothy, had no idea where the baby was going to come out when she was in labor for her first baby. She was 21, which isn't even young to have a baby by 1950 standards. And as she told me, she asked the doctor when the line was going to open up. If you've never seen a pregnant abdomen, some women have a slightly dark line from their belly button downward. And my mother, in the throes of advanced labor, actually thought the line was supposed to open up for the baby to be born. The doctor had to explain to her where the baby was actually going to come out. Can you imagine the horror learning this as you are racked with pain and it's about to happen? At least she spoke English and wasn't thousands of miles away from her family. This is why Dorth wanted to make sure that I knew better. Now, she was born and raised in Canada of English descent. She grew up speaking English, but information about sex was just not discussed. Children learn very young that when the adults avoid a subject, it's taboo, and they shouldn't talk about it either. I remember asking her when I was about, I don't know, maybe eight or nine, what does pregnant mean? And all she said was, don't say that word. To this day, I'm not particularly comfortable with the word pregnant. That's why you will hear me refer to it as expecting or even with child, having a baby. Isn't that stupid? 
But that's how deeply we internalize our parents' or society's unspoken attitudes. And why wouldn't we want our children to know about sex and reproduction? It's a normal, natural part of life that can be wonderful or terrible, and knowledge is power. But Dorothy wanted me to be informed. So one day, I was, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11 years old. I think she started her period when she was 11-ish, so she wanted to be, she wanted to catch me in time, even though it was pretty obvious that I was a long way off from that. I was a classic late bloomer. But anyway, Dorothy sat me down in the kitchen to fill me in one day. I had already heard things from my siblings, friends at school, unbelievable things, meaning I didn't actually believe any of it because it just seemed so far-fetched to my childish little brain. Not only that, when the kids did talk about it, it was in very hushed whispers or giggling laughter. Dorth told me about menstruation first, vaguely. She told me when I was old enough to have a baby, which could be as young as 11, okay, mind already blown right there, 11, you will get blood out of her eyes darted around the room. There. Her pointing was obviously a bit off because I wasn't sure where she meant. I thought maybe I was going to get blood out of my breasts, but anyway, I could see she wasn't too comfortable with the subject, so I just shut up and nodded. Before that day, any time I came across pads or feminine protection, as we call it, or as I later called them, Chesterfield cushions, because absorption technology was craptacular in the 70s, I would ask, what are these? And she would say, don't touch those, and not answer my question. Anyway, on this day, she went on to tell me that in order to have a baby, the man puts his penis in your more pointing pregnant pause. Then, she said to me, it's a beautiful act that two people perform when they're deeply in love. But don't tell your little brother. He'll think it's dirty. Then she just looked at me. I, of course, wanted to run away. Of course. But I was thinking, oh, so what my little brother had already told me was actually true? (sighs) Mind blown again. Then she said to me, you have a question in your eyes. In my head, nope, no, 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 no questions. She persisted. I can see it. You have a question in your eyes. Ugh, I didn't speak. I just sat there. Just, then she says to me, yes, dad and I do that. Oh, God, no, stop, make it stop. La, 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 la. I don't recall how this conversation ended, but maybe a year or two later, my eldest brother asked me if I knew about the facts of life. And I said, yes, mom told me. What did she tell you? She said it's a beautiful act that two people perform when they're deeply in love, to which he snorted and, ha, bullshit. People do it because it feels good. Okay. I happened to also be in an experimental sex ed class in the seventh grade, age 12, uh, 1972. 
This was the same teacher who had wrongfully given me a 76% in the first semester. But anyway, this class was unique. It was a science class, not a health class. And it was co-ed, which I think was pretty pioneering for 1972. We learned about the male-female reproductive organs, sans clitoris, of course, because who cares about that? We learned together about menstruation and venereal diseases, all of which we understood to be curable back then, and saw a film of a woman giving birth. No question that the line was not going to open up. There was no mention of mood changes, emotional intensity, how to deal with menstrual blood, just that it happened. No mention of the existence of tampons. And Chesterfield cushions didn't have a sticky side. They were strapped to you with an elastic belt that went around your waist with garter-like dangly things to hook on the pads. And I didn't learn about how that worked until I needed to know. Just-in-time training, very popular in the business world. The class presented valuable information, though, in the context of biology without any value statements. Parents had to sign a form for their children to be included, and only a handful had to go to the library. With my own children, I tried to just talk about things organically as they came up, just like everything else. I didn't want them to feel the trepidation about the subject that I felt. I didn't hide pads or tampons. They used to build little doll forts with the pads. I can remember overhearing Joanne saying to Carrie one day, Hey, Carrie, you want to play with the pads? When, when they asked what they were for, I told them matter-of-factly. When I was expecting Joanne... Catherine asked me one day in a loud voice in the grocery store, Hey, Mom, how did that baby get in your womb anyway? I told her it grew there. I didn't feel the need to launch into the entire explanation of how it happened to be fertilized, but she was only three, so I just said, Women have microscopic eggs called ova, and the baby grows in their uterus or womb from the ova. One day, a neighbor showed up at the door. I don't recall why, but I was on my way out with Catherine for an appointment with the obstetrician, and the neighbor said something like, oh, mommy has a baby in her belly, and you're going to the belly doctor, and smiled at Catherine. Belly is another one of my taboo-hated words, by the way, but Catherine just looked at him and said, no, the baby's in her uterus, and we're going to the obstetrician. Idiot. I've said it before, children are a lot smarter than we often give them credit for. One other time, we were visiting my aunt in another town, and she, Catherine, and I had lunch at some local restaurant. The ladies' loo, or washroom, was out of order, so everyone queued up to the men's room. Catherine had never seen a urinal, naturally, so of course she asked, what's that? And I explained, it's a urinal. Men and boys can use it to go to the bathroom standing up because they have a penis. Handy. I was raised not being allowed to say pee, another cringy term. As we exited the washroom, Catherine announced to the people in the queue, there's a urinal in there so you can go to the bathroom standing up if you have a penis. The people in the queue just nodded in agreement and some of them kind of chuckled a bit under their breath. 
Quite the brouhaha ensued after an updated sex education curriculum was introduced by the Liberal government in Ontario in 2015. A lot of people were livid at the references to subjects such as masturbation, gender identity, and even anal sex. The Conservative Party updated some of the content in 2019, such as sexual orientation is now a mandatory topic in the fifth grade, which is about age 10 here, and gender identity in eighth grade, but removed some topics and added mental health. Masturbation is now an optional topic in the sixth grade, and anal is mentioned in the seventh grade in terms of delaying sexual activity until people are older. Okay, I don't want to say something about this that's not true, but I do know of one doctor who years ago said it was not uncommon for her to have to repair damaged anuses in girls as young as 12 which is very concerning. Okay, I looked up the curriculum. I'm going to put a link to it on my Facebook page, Jules says. Anal is on a list of sexual activities in the context of how to have a shared understanding with a partner about delaying, abstaining, risks, and the importance of communication and consent. And even though my children are grown and it doesn't directly affect me, I care deeply about the well-being of people in general, and in particular, children and teens. I think a lot of adult problems can be potentially prevented or at least ameliorated the younger they are when they get good information or have access to help. I know quite a few parents who firmly believe that sex ed needs to come from them, and I don't disagree with them, but I also understand that there are many parents who will teach their children nothing, which is dangerous. Children are going to talk about it whether you like it or not. They have access to porn nowadays, which we certainly didn't have back in the day. I would prefer that they proactively get reliable information and hopefully feel comfortable enough discussing their thoughts with their parents. But the reality is that most of us are a little squeamish when it comes to talking about sex with our parents or our children. And worst case is they learn about sex from a sexual predator. If they're not comfortable with the topic, they're more vulnerable and even less likely to tell anyone if someone is abusing them. At some point along the way, my own daughters obviously felt uncomfortable discussing anything of a sexual nature with me. I don't know why, but as I've said before, children are incredibly intuitive, and even though I tried to treat the subject of sexuality as just another reality of human life— They clearly sensed my deep-seated reticence or assumed I would be judgmental. I absolutely would have seemed judgmental about promiscuity, not because I'm opposed to multiple partners, but the reality is I fully understand and understood when my children were young that we live in a slut-shaming culture. And I think it takes an enormous amount of confidence and emotional maturity to not be hurt by it, particularly in those emotionally vulnerable teen years. 
Even menstruation carries a certain amount of shame with it still, which is bananas. I haven't seen the Pixar film Turning Red, but I've read a lot of comments from people who are appalled at the subject matter, horrified at the prospect of having to explain it to children. How am I going to explain this to my children? Shouting about how unrelatable it is. Unrelatable? Do you know anyone with a uterus? Your children love poo jokes. But shedding uterine lining is unexplainable? The very thing that enables the propagation of our species? Isn't it sad that in 2022, people are still hung up about a perfectly natural bodily function that happens to half the population? Can we please just relax about it? Can we please invest in more research to alleviate the pain that so many experience with it? I'm going to call Carrie. I can't record a phone call on my phone. Apparently, it's illegal in Canada. I downloaded an app so that I would be able to do it. But the app basically needs access to pretty much everything on my phone, including the operation of the phone. So I'm not comfortable with it. So I have to Zoom call her. I want to know, because I don't remember, or I don't remember if we even talked about it, I want to know what Carrie's experience was with sex ed when she was in school. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm talking about sex ed. I think it's really important. But what did you get when you were a kid? I don't know if I knew at the time and I forget. Uh, In grade five was my first sex ed class. And it wasn't really anything. It was really only talking about the proper terms, like penis and vagina. And everyone giggled. And they talked about periods a little bit. But that was it. We started real sex ed classes in grade nine. It was in gym class. There wasn't a specific health class or anything like that. And what else happened? Oh, yeah, we would get a nurse come in from the uh, sexual clinic in Sarnia. Yeah. The health Whatever unit? It was called. The health, yeah, 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 yeah. The sexual health unit. Okay. A nurse would come in from there and uh, she would always say, now, does anyone have any questions? 
And so we got to ask our questions, but people would write them down on paper and write them over to me, pass notes to me. So I would ask the questions (laughs) because no one wanted to raise their hand and ask the questions. So they would pass notes to me and I would just put my hand up and ask the question. And the nurse would say, now, does anyone know the answer to that question before she would answer? And I would raise my hand and answer the question. (laughs) Truth be told, I got most of my real sex ed classes at the kitchen table when you were still at work and Caitlin and Catherine were over. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Assuming they had good information. Um, (laughs) I remember the song Horny came out. It was super popular. Oh, I remember that. And I asked one of Catherine's friends, what does horny mean? And she said, in the mood for sex. And I said, okay. And I thought, that can't be right. Why would someone be singing this whole song about how she's so horny? No one wants to have sex that badly. There's no way that's correct. So we were on a family trip driving to Peterborough. And you were still with dad at the time. I remember this. And I said, mom. And you said, yes, honey. And I said, does horny mean in the mood for sex? And dad almost drove the car off the highway. <laughs> and you said, yes, honey. Yes, it does. And I said, oh, okay. And that was it. I was just surprised. <laughs> I had no idea. To me, no one could have ever wanted sexual activity. Well, how old were you at the time? I remember all the lyrics to that song now, and I can't find it anywhere. Well, you know, love songs are really a euphemism. Really, for being okay, horny. Okay, but I was eight or nine at that <laughs> yeah. time. I didn't understand that. I just thought, that is disgusting. And Catherine's friend is definitely lying to me. <laughs> well, I guess you got good information. I, and I remember who it was, too. Who Katie was it? Katie. Oh. <laughs> I asked her, you know what? I asked her how to buy by birdie rehearsal. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's a good place to ask those questions. But the nice thing about the theater group is we had kids of all different ages. So you had exposure, not just to your own age group. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And like having Catherine and Caitlin there. Yeah. At home every day after school to answer any of the questions. And I knew it all. I would run to school the next day and say, guess what this means? And the girls will sit around me in a circle. And we really had our own sex ed classes outside at recess in grade seven. Well, see, this is my point. The kids are going to talk about it anyway. I think you might as well just give them the right information from a professional. I had the right information. I really did. Okay. Luckily. Luckily, because that's where they were getting their information. Yeah. But did you feel uncomfortable saying stuff or asking anything of me? Over time, I did. Why? I think because it was the norm to be uncomfortable about asking your parents that stuff within the school group my age, right? So I think as you get a little bit older and people are like, oh, you can't say this and you can't say that. I'm like, oh, all right. Okay. Because I think there was a certain age I felt like I couldn't ask you those questions, but I think that's just a teenager being a teenager. Mm. Because of course, one of the arguments parents have is, well kids should learn about sex from their parents. But I think a lot of parents are very uncomfortable talking to their children (laughs) about sex. And I think a lot of children are uncomfortable talking to their parents about sex. I think it's fine to have a professional 
And if the professional gives them bad information, you know the kids are going to go away and discuss it anyway with their parents or their brothers and sisters or their friends. Yeah. And even my friend's daughter had a question. And she just said, I'll, yeah, I'll tell you about that when the little girls are in bed or not around. Because yeah. it wasn't age appropriate. They weren't asking yet. So she just thought, I'll tell the older one. But she told her husband and her husband goes, just tell her to call Tita Carey. <laughs> so did she? No, she spoke to me about it. We went back and forth about what she was going to say. And yeah. I essentially said, listen, don't lie about it. Because A, that's creepy, but B, she's going to find out at school and then she's not going to come to you because she's going to know you're not telling her the truth. Yeah. And she'll know that you're uncomfortable with the subject. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't feel shortchanged. Like, I didn't feel like I had to sit down with you guys and have a talk because I just talked about stuff in normal day-to-day life as it came up. The only thing. You know what? I actually, you explained to me what sex was and I was quite young. I don't know why. I don't know why I needed to know. It must have come up. The basic of it was because and it was also called sleeping together. So I was quite confused. Yes, so that I is confusing. That, I knew that the penis would grow. Well, yes. I thought that, well, you were, and I knew I was a surprise. So I put all these pieces of information together and my conclusion to this was, while you were sleeping, the penis would just grow as long as it needed to, to find the vagina and implant a baby. Yeah. That was my, I was probably, I was probably six, but that was what I, (laughs) but we also never gilded the lily on the fact that you were a surprise. Like we were always, I I was always really honest about that. I liked surprises at that age. Yeah. I know you don't now. I hate a surprise now. Well, you're a great surprise. So yeah, that worked out well. I'm the (laughs) favorite. There was something else I wanted to ask you. Oh God, I can't remember. Was it a sex ed question? Well, it's all along the same topic. I'm surprised you didn't write it down. You tend to do that. I didn't write questions down for you because I didn't have a list of questions. I just thought you would tell me about your sex ed experience at school. There wasn't much of it. Like at the French school, I don't remember ever having a sex ed class. My first experience of a sex ed class was people awkwardly giggling in grade five Mm -hmm. and then the gym teacher in grade nine. And then after grade nine in high school, it was just a nurse that would come in and ask pretty much if anyone had questions. And then we had to watch a video of labor. To prevent is, us from is, getting pregnant. Is that the nurse? Yeah. Is that the nurse who talked about nipples? No, that wasn't a nurse. That was a different teacher. Oh. That was just a teacher that was talking about it. She also told the class that sometimes because her, she is required to stay in class and watch us all the time, that if she had the runs, she would wear a butt plug in class. Oh, God. She told us that. Yeah. Well, I don't even think that would work to hold, to hold. Oh, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that wouldn't work. That that thing would never go in. (laughs) No, I can't even imagine. Anyway, is there anything else you want to tell me? No, I don't. Anything, anything anything I did wrong, anything that you would recommend to parents who are 
uncomfortable with the whole deal? I just think nothing should be like, everything should be age appropriate if you're explaining, but your whole point was if they're old enough to ask, they're old enough to get an answer. Yeah. And if you sugarcoat things too much, there's going to be a huge mistrust Yeah, in a lot of different ways. Not only will they not ask you, they're going to think you're a liar or they're going to think that you're uncomfortable. Therefore, it's an uncomfortable subject. And it was for your mom. It was a very uncomfortable subject for your mom. You thought your nipples were going to bleed when you got your period. Right? I did. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot like that's very problematic. And why is it a bad thing? It's not. Yeah, it's just I mean, life, part of life. It's biology. It's yeah. anatomy and biology. And that's it. So if you just base it down to science, I hate it when kids are like, it's when parents are like, it's snuggling, it's cuddling. Well, that's how you get a creepy uncle in your bed. Yeah. Like if good point. Just snuggling. Like if you're putting it that way, that's going to get your child molested. I'm sorry. I just think you should be direct. There's a lot of great books now for kids. Yeah. Very age appropriate, very like hilarious to me. Well, that probably helps. That helps with the conversation too. I don't think it's hilarious for the child, but reading it, like it's hilarious. It's like, don't touch the private parts. There's certain books that you can find now. They're fantastic. Yeah. But my whole point with that is a sexual predator will groom you by touching, quote unquote, not private parts. And I think we need to teach children to trust their feelings and feel comfortable saying no and telling someone before it ever gets to that point. It's a pretty big pet peeve of mine when people are like, you need to hug that person. Yeah. You've yeah. heard me where I'm like, no, you do not need to hug that person. I agree. Or stop asking for a hug. I hate that. Yeah. Because a lot of times my friends, especially the younger ones, they don't want to hug you right away. And then they're all over you and playing with you in 20 minutes. Yeah. When they're and comfortable. When they're comfortable because you don't live with them, especially during COVID, you don't see them very often. So they're kind of like, ooh, is that a stranger? And then they get your aura again and they're like, oh no, you're fun. I know you. Yeah. And then they're comfortable, but it takes a little bit of time to warm up. And it takes a lot of time for adults to warm up to other adults. So why aren't we respecting children the same way? Well, I always let children come to me. I don't go after them to pick them up or hug them or anything like that. There's certain ones that I just do. Okay, but those are children who already know you, who are already close to you, right? It's true. Even 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 with um, Violet when she was little, like first of all, she hated everyone, and she didn't see me that often. So I kind I waited for her to come to me. Yeah, as you should. Well, thank you. I know you're very tired from your day at work. Having me, I'm always (laughs) tired, even if I'm not working. I know. Well, I wish you weren't so tired. The subject of consent came up with Carrie, and that topic is part of the sex ed curriculum. But consent is much broader than the sexual context. Learning to set and respect boundaries in all aspects of life is very important. But that's a topic for another day. I was planning to share an email that I received this week, but we've run out of time. I'm sorry. I will hopefully have time to share it next week. Thank you for listening. If you have anything you'd like to ask me or share with me, you can DM me on Instagram 
or message me from my Facebook page, Jules Says, or email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. Happy Mother's Day to those of you who are celebrating this weekend, March 27th. And have a wonderful week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.